0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, April the 22nd, 2019, and we are reading from the big book in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 21, and we're starting with the second paragraph. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Alita J., 12 Traditions, Judy F., and readers of the text, Kelly S., Lance L., and Martha Z. The reference number for Sunday, April the 21st, is, and I didn't write it down, sorry, I'll have to get back to you with that, DOA Preamble. Obreas Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision For You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alita J. to read the
1: 12 steps.
2: Good morning, all. Uh, Alita, Compulsive Overeater in Wisconsin, The Twelve Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Alita J. And I will ask Judy F. to read the 12 traditions.
3: Good
4: morning. I'm Judy F., a compulsive overeater in North Carolina. These are the 12 traditions of the Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, if he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine. film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses
0: on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 21, the second paragraph. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling, and we're reading that one paragraph and sharing on that only. And I'd like to ask Kelly S. to get us started, please.
5: Good morning, Lynn. This is Kelly S. in Oklahoma with an EY. All right, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldomly mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, Yet, let him drink for a day and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself, and then pulls the structures down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. Here he is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around, yet early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to get to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Then he begins to peer at the hospitals and the sanitariums. Oh my God, that was quite a paragraph. So what is that, what are they talking about here? This is a, a very good description of the real alcoholic as we read about um, in the previous paragraph. You know when we when we describe the the moderate drinker and the real alcoholic, and I'm going to tell you guys I am the real compulsive overeater, and this um, you know this is one of those paragraphs that'd be real easy to, to identify out if your disease hasn't progressed or maybe you're not that real alcoholic that this is describing, and this might help you. And I'm telling you this is me, and this is the progression, and this is how scary it is. You know, um, once I. Uh, started i couldn't stop and no matter how bad i wanted to i couldn't stay stopped as we've heard and you know it's like i have a lot of amazing gifts in my life you know in school all through school you know as a straight-a student you know i've always been a-, a leader of course taking that out to being controlling and manipulative as you can imagine but um you know it didn't matter it doesn't matter about any of that stuff you know i had to eat and my disease progressed and you know you hear in the rooms if you haven't done it just say, yeah, right? So one time, you know, I I've been, I been am bulimic, binged, purged, ended up 125 pounds overweight, also 20 pounds underweight. You know, I remember hearing people, I've been in around these rooms for 30-something years, thinking I came in when I was 20. So I've practiced this disease. It got to my worst in these rooms, you know? And so I uh, would hear people digging through the trash. I'm like, well, that's gross. I'm not gonna do that. Guess what? get back out there, you're the real alcoholic, you're gonna the real compulsive eater, you're gonna do it, right? You dig it out, doesn't matter because I had to have my fix. I did absurd, gross things with bulimia. You know, I did things I never thought I would do, you know, um, and I say like to say in my dis-ease, I did tragic things, you know, when I'm always looking for something else to make me feel better, you know, and uh and no matter what I did, you know, I, I tried every single thing you could pay for, everything you could imagine, all the insanity. I went to uh treatment centers um, and while I was there came out and then binged and purged right it didn't matter how much I wanted it how hard I tried how many big books I had I, I eventually ended up doing it again because why I never had a message of depth and weight. I didn't understand the instructions in this book. I didn't know I had a spiritual malady. I was still trying to fix the wrong problem. You know, I was trying to fix that that compulsive eating, my weight problem. And you know, I just so my disease continues to progress. You know, and that's where you have to decide. Am are you the real alcoholic? Was I the real alcoholic? Yes. Do I have a spiritual malady? That was the part I had to accept. That was the part I was missing. Am I willing to pick up the spiritual toolkits and work these steps as my hair's on fire, as people say, am I willing to do all that, go to greatest lengths? As this paragraph talks about, the insanity in this paragraph, and I'll wrap up with this, all this stuff I did, the great lengths I went to in my disease, I was willing to go to any lengths. Am I willing today to do that with my recovery? And the answer is yes. Thank you, God, and thank you for this big book, and most important, thank you for my higher power. Glad to be here, Lynn. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Kelly. Yes. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share?
1: Katie G from Boston. Jason K.
6: Barbara E.
1: Barbara. Irene. Page e. number, please. Page
3: number, please.
0: We're on page twenty one, the second paragraph. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you. And so far our lineup is Katie G, Jason K, Barbara E, and I believe I heard Irene. That's who right. else would I like to share? to share? Thank you, Irene. Charles who you else would like to share? Thank you. Anyone else? W. Okay, I've got our lineup now. Uh let's start with this and if I missed anybody, I'll pick you up on the second round. I've got Katie G, Jason K, Barbara E, Irene B, Charles H, and Ida A. Katie, could you start us off please? Good morning, Lynn. Oh,
7: Lynn, can I be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. KDG recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my biggest problems is that I did possess ability, skills, and aptitudes. And you know what? I have yet to meet one of us on the line who doesn't possess ability, skills, and aptitude. Problem is, I burned up energy foolishly trying to arrange life to suit myself. Problem is, I spent my skills, aptitudes, and promising career ahead of me planning how I could be the thinnest girl in the room, planning how I could use laxatives and Ipecac and exercise and, um, you know, all of that stuff. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the the most functional thing I did was put on a hundred and something pounds in a year in college, and somehow they handed me a diploma. And from there... My life was torn to shreds. I mean I on the surface I, I had a job, right, and I had an apartment and I had a partner and, and um inside I was living to eat and I was I was I was dying. Um and everybody could say, Oh well look at my daughter Katie, you know, look at how well she's doing but it didn't matter and what this reminds me is A, I'm a compulsive overeater. I cannot manage my own life. And B, that no human power, that anything that the grace of God, love and mercy puts in my life can be ripped to shreds. That that stuff is not a solution for my... For my illness. And, you know, yeah, it's pretty easy for me to say that I'm a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when I'm using food, but I was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in abstinence only. I was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde depending on what I thought you could do for me. If you were sponsoring me, could you get me a boyfriend? Could you get me whatever? I didn't have a spiritual solution. You know, and the other thing that I think is so powerful is the lengths that I would go to. I mean, I was in the top eating disorder clinic and they were asking me you know what what are your symptoms and I would answer them based on what are the medications that they could give me and I remember being terrified to sleep at night and so I needed that cocktail of food and a bunch of medications in order to sleep in order to breathe and and you know. My bottom is not done, right? Like, I I could continue digging, but somehow, by the grace of God, he ripped me from my life and threw me in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And then in my second surrender showed me, Katie, it is not enough to just be abstinent. It is not enough to just be in a thin body. You must have an entire psychic change and rely on God, right? Rely on God, not on the husband, not on the family, not on, on anything and uh you know I pray each day that my relationship with God continues to grow and change because I need to. I will fall back into believing I'm so great, my skills, aptitudes, I got this. And the I got this has to go. And what needs to Time go, is. what needs to stay is uh is my willingness and I'm going to continue to show up with all of you. Lynn, thanks for your service. Many blessings.
0: Thank you, Katie G. Jason Kaye, it's your turn, followed by Barbara E.
8: Good morning, Jason Kaye, recovered convulsive eater and bulimic from outside of Philadelphia. I'm um, grateful to be on the line and we already heard some uh great shares, so I appreciate that. And um, you know, this person, this fellow who's puzzling puzzling us is it it was me. This is describing me doing absurd, incredible, and tragic things while drinking or while eating compulsively, Uh, and I couldn't understand myself. And I I, I used to to write in journals, you know, almost compulsively. I'd I'd write a Word document, 100 pages uh, on Microsoft Word, and then I'd save it. I did 10, 11 journals, you know, over 1,000 pages in my early 20s in this one six-month period, just trying to understand myself. But this disease, cunning, baffling, and powerful, um, makes us do these absurd and tragic things. You know, so binging so much that I'm just hurting and uh, so uncomfortable, throwing up in the toilet, you know, taking all different medications, trying to manage my digestion, t- taking probiotics and, and acids just so I can try to get to sleep at night. But still, I can't outrun the heartburn and I'm waking up with acid reflux and waking up the very next morning doing what? Going back to the same store, the same foods, eating compulsively again. This just the insanity. And step two says we're restored to sanity. So what's step one is really qualifying us as in, being insane about going through uh, through the food, through this Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde existence, because I think a lot of us sense maybe, you know, we know deep down uh, we're good people. We enjoy life. We can be happy. We can be, you know, humorous. We can We have all these gifts but they're obscured by the disease, by the food, by the insanity of this. And sometimes I like to think, you know, we're, we're recovering from this, but we also recover something. We recover our true self. We recover our true personality, our true gifts that we hey, can, can get to the world. Hey,
9: can you pull the out of your asshole, please? Thank you.
8: And, you know, we recover hey, and we can, can be restored to ass- sanity around these things and we can get back to... The person who we are, and that person it doesn 't have to uh, change we don't have to feel like we 're being ourselves like we're our true self, and then it gets buried under a mound of food so I qualify for this program I qualify as as having done the absurd, incredible, and tragic things uh, and if you know if you don 't identify totally, just look at the look at the the nature of this look at the uh, you know, the, it may not be the same degree, but look at look at the um, your actions. Look at the absurdity of these things. Look at uh, they may not be entirely tragic. You're not losing everything, but look at the nature of this. And and if you're on this line, if you're doubting today, if you qualify, um, just just look at the truth of your own experience. Uh, and if you qualify, the good news is there's a solution. Um, thank you for listening. I'm happy to be here this morning, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Jason K. Barbara E.,
6: it's your turn, followed by Irene B. Um, Good morning, Liness and everyone. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I see four warnings for me within this one long paragraph. He does absurd, incredibly tragic things while drinking, dangerously antisocial, pulling the structure down on his head. Uh, simply cannot make it, get drunk all over again and ends up in hospitals and sanitariums. So many warnings there for me that I failed to heed. I was ashamed from childhood that I was a compulsive, gluttonous overeater, but I couldn't stop. I wanted to stop, but once I started, I was totally without the power to stop. I was shoving food in my little mouth all day long and into the night. My brain always drove me back to the food. I simply had no power to stop. My poor, puzzled, petite mom took me to diet doctors where I got shot up with God knows what. I went to fat camps, which they call charm schools, but my food was drugged. People used to ask me, why can't you have just one? They didn't know that one would set me off on a binge of gigantic proportions. I didn't even try to explain the way I react when it comes to certain foods. I was too ashamed. I tried to manipulate the foods, substituting one for another, trying to limit the amount When people looked at me, I felt like they were judging me. And when I ate out, I ate like a hummingbird. But when I got home, I ate like a vulture. Everything in my path. I wore my addiction on my body. I couldn't hide. I ate when I should have studied for an exam. I stole, I isolated. I canceled social engagements with no regards for the thinkings of others. I denied my children the opportunity to have a fully engaged parent and a fully engaged husband and wife. I thought I was a mistake. I now know I'm not a mistake. I have an incurable disease. And there is a medicine I can take every day to keep my disease in remission. But I can't skip a day. The good news is that my higher power that I didn't know I had led me to OA. And I did find hope and I stuck around and I listened because I was desperate. It's been two joyful decades now without the need to self-sabotage. This text and the fellowship and, there were meetings, and the meetings remind me I'm only a by Thank you. So I do the steps every day. I say my prayers. I think about them and I carry the message of hope. Thank you, I pass.
0: Thank you, Barbara E. Irene B., it's your turn, followed by Charles H.
1: Good morning, thank you so much. Thank you for your service. I love this paragraph because this is the one paragraph that I really can relate to. I go to the face-to-face meetings, and whenever we read the stories, when things get really crazy, people read the text and they say, "I pass," because they can't relate to it. Um, I am a recovering bulimic with three years of abstinence, and the reason I don't say I'm a recovered bulimic is because I still engage in self-loathing and
6: self-hatred.
1: And that is something new that I discovered. Something not new to me, but something that I was not aware. I knew that I had uh, a sense of worthlessness, a very deep sense of worthlessness. But I did not know that uh, that I hated myself because I dismissed what I knew about my childhood as being nonsense. It didn't matter. It just didn't matter. But I remember my mom telling me, you bad, bad girl, and all I wanted was to be a good girl, and that's traumatic to me. And I've known that for the longest time, and I've never really addressed it. And, um, you know, I've been in and out of treatment centers, inpatient, outpatient, four of each, and about 30 therapists, and I've never been able to have abstinence, and by the grace of God, I have abstinence now. It's a miracle. It truly is. And I relate, and I'm glad to remember how crazy it was because I had forgotten. I remember binging and falling asleep from the exhaustion from having binged all day and waking up enough to, you know, like a two-hour sleeping at night and waking up at 1 o'clock in the morning. And going at it again until four o'clock in the morning and waking up feeling tired and awful and going for it again until there was some sort of structure. I mean, that happened when there was no structure in my life, but then, uh, you know, if it was a Monday, that's on the weekend. On Monday, then I have to get up and go to work. So, you know, you drive yourself and you recover to whatever degree. And then, I remember wondering if my digestive system was ever going to be able to digest the meal because he hadn't done that in years, not really and, and i and i and I worried about well, I didn't really worry about it. I wondered because I really didn't worry about that, and it's
8: like whatever,
1: but these time, time, please thank you so much um. This disease is so progressive and so powerful, and um, I don't consider you know I haven't binged and purged in two years, and and I don't binge anymore. I don't eat compulsively, but time Okay, I soothe myself with food, and I'd like to stop that and with that outcast.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Irene B. Charles H, it's your turn, followed by Ida A.
10: Thank you very much, uh Lynn. I'll get you a whistle uh, at the Vision Convention. <laughs> We're not a glum lot. This is Charles H. I'm a recovery compulsive over either. Absurd, incredible, ridiculous. Doctor Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I just will let me let me just say this. Um uh I don't wanna be thin because <laughs> Where I come from if if I get thin, I mean I'm talking about thin, thin is in right i'm gonna be I smoke crack, man, I smoke crack, and when I wasn't smoking crack, I went to the other extreme, I filled myself to the gills took to my neck, to my chin, so um you know th- these these paragraphs right this step one the the second part of step one, yeah, we know the food is the solution, right. This shows me that my life is unmanageable. I mean, like smoking crack, my life is unmanageable, right? Trying to eat to, the, to, to, to fill my head from my stomach is unmanageable. And, and hearing you guys is, 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 is therapy that I don't got to pay for. I mean, if I, have a, if I have a phone, I can dial in. Just to dial in and to listen to the experience, strength, and hope from people all around the world. We're different in where we come from and ethnicity, but we have the same... Issue every single day, and maybe it's not the same every single day. I'll share this: like my family, there's a lot. My family make the papers, and, I, and I'm gonna keep it like that. But um, I could be patient and tolerant with somebody that is not living the lifestyle that I live, and I could have some patience and tolerance through the, through the instructions in this big book, and and through hearing that other people do strange absurd, incredible Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde stuff, right, and be all right with it. And I'm going to leave some time on the clock because, you know, for other people that need more time. All right.
0: Thank you, Charles H. And Ida A, it's your turn. Thanks so much, Lynn. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Ida A.
11: from Northern British Columbia, grateful compulsive overeater, and super grateful to hear all these wonderful shares and to be diving into the big book at the start of the week. I am the real compulsive overeater. I used to deny that for years, but I am. And, and while I was in the food, those words jump out. I was disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. I really was. Incredibly dishonest is another one, and selfish, I sure was. I prayed God, my ego was enormous, and I was in denial that I was so flawed. I was in denial that my behavior was so insane. And you know, I was mean at times, and my emotional dysregulation, it was just raging when I was in the food. I think I raged at God, I raged at you, and I hated me. That's what the food did. I didn't see it. I was gluttonous with with, with my intake, and, and uh, I moved so far away from self-love. How could I have room to love any of you? And so when I came to the rooms, I came to the visionaries, and, and I listened, and I cringed when you would read chapter five. Something like those who, those, those who do not recover are people who cannot and will not completely give themselves to the simple program people constitutionally incapable of being honest. And I was ding, 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 I can't be honest, I can't be honest, how can I ever get this? But y'all wore me down, (laughs) you you wore me down, and so today I take solace in that part in the big book where it says, uh, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing that makes life seem so worthwhile. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. And I, I'm not proud of my past, but I'm not ashamed of it anymore. And I know that my past can help any of you out there that are still dumpster diving in the food because I was there and I raged on myself and I hated me. And I am growing a belief that I never knew I could in in a higher power that i never knew i could be connected to and if i can all of you can thank you all for
0: being here and blessing me at the start of the week i pass thank you ida a and for those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later we are in the chapter there is a solution we are on page 21 the second paragraph here is the fellow who has been puzzling you and I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. And please say your name just once; it helps me hear you. Who would like to share?
3: Larry. Russ. B- Cct.
0: Lisa J. Jennifer
2: W. Chris M.
0: Okay, let me hear. So <laughs> let me hear. Let me tell you who I heard. I, I did miss some people. I've got Larry K. Russ M. Stacy T. I think it's Jennifer W and there were two that I
1: missed. Lisa J. Lisa J. Bobby. One more? Bob. Is that Chris M. Bob? Yep.
0: Okay, I think we've got our lineup now. Bob and Chris M. Okay. So we have Larry K, Russ M, Stacy T, Jennifer W, Lisa J. Bob and Chris M. Larry, could you start us off, please?
3: Sure, sure, be happy to. Um, Larry, Kate, uh, recovered compulsive Reader. Boy, um, just you know, it takes me back, and I'm so very grateful. You know, my my creator, I think, saw just how uh, contemptible I had made my life, and um, and God was, I think, more than prepared to lift me out of the mud uh, to help me to. To sort of clean myself up and eventually shake up, sh- shake the dust off, I was really chewing people up and spitting them out. I was doing so much more damage than than what I was doing to myself with food. That was <laughs> that was certainly damaging. But there was it came with a lot of self-loathing. I felt fraudulent. Can you relate? I felt fraudulent in life. And as we what we find is we have the courage to proceed through the process of transformation. It's as though you know God is saying. You know, what you've done, Larry, with your life to this point, it does matter. And I forgive you for that. And I will grant you the ability to change one day at a time. And I'm going to take the reins here if you will allow me, because I've given you self-will. You don't have to allow me to let you take the reins. But I will take the reins here. And I'll never choose uh, to force you to take your hands off the reins. For better or worse, in every moment, I've given you the power of choice to relinquish the reins or hold on to them. And then I became a bit less contemptible. I'm a little bit easier to handle now. And, you know, whether you accept being human is of no consequence. The gift of being human was already decided when you were born. No sense of debating or struggling over, you know, that which has already been decided. Now you get to choose to turn, your you know, towards Towards your creator, you know, versus a background of self-disgust, perhaps food, lying, fraudulent behavior. And the good news is, this program is for the suffering. All you need to be is suffering, emotionally, physically. It's you know what it is. It's a radical forgiveness program of spiritual action. And um, you know, you're worth being cared about. I didn't think I was worthy of love and compassion by shedding these old ways. I was a very, very troubled man. And then you're pulled out of the depths of the quicksand. And here's the crazy thing. As we change through this definitive action, we regain our sense of self-worth. God you know, really does for us what we have the utter inability to do for ourselves, and it's miraculous. And you know what's happened? Um, decisions become easier for me when my will to please God outweighs my will to please the world. Over time, you know, I see myself as God sees me. I don't have to fall prey to the notion that if I merely read this book or I listen to others, you know, that, that somehow I'm going to change. In other words, secondhand virtue never got me, me well. Second, sure, just wrapping up. Secondhand virtue will not lift you out of the quicksand. Only the courage to take action. With that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Russ M, it's your turn. Followed by Stacy T.
12: Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, fellows. Russ M, recover compulsive over here outside of Philly. Dude, this paragraph is massive, right? Not just in in words and but in content and. Whew, man, I I definitely had the positive genius for for uh, getting tight at the right time, right? I had everything going for me, family. A lot of friends, nice business, and I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. You know, I thought I was a good guy. I thought I was trying to serve others. But as, you know, as I got deeper into this disease, I realized how selfish I I really am, who I I really truly am. I do love people, and I want to help people. That's my heart's desire, is to help, help another person. But I also want to get mine, too. And that's what this this is showing me here that you know there is that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde in me. That yes, you know I could be the happiest guy in the world, but if you look at me wrong, or or you you have even a thought of trying to get something from me, or get over on me, or get better at me, I'm ready to take you out. And um, I don't know if that survival mechanism is part of the disease. I know I didn't like it. I know that's part of the reason why I ate, I ate. And I want it to be numb all the time. I don't know. I can't figure it out. But I know one thing. I know one thing for sure. I ain't on this line or I have zero freedom without God and this program, particularly working out of this big book. I would have nothing. You know, now I'm not so much a Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde, you know. I'm starting to, to be who I'm supposed to be the way God made me. And it's only because of this program. Uh, you know, I used to think when I heard certain people share, say, oh, man, nine minutes of uh, nine seconds of uh, of euphoria. And, and you know, to, and, and then it goes away and you feel remorse. But I never felt that because I was always drunk on the food. I was always eating. But now I'm sitting here outside looking at the sun, looking at this beautiful blue sky, and I actually can appreciate it because I'm not, numb I'm not numb these are these are the, the huge gifts that I'm getting through this program so I hope I could share it with someone else and I love you guys you have a beautiful day
0: thank you Russ M Stacey T it's your turn followed by Jennifer W
13: good morning this is Stacy T recovered compulsive overeater in Cleveland thanks for your service Lynn And there are a couple pieces that really stand out, and the shares have been just really great for me this morning, as always. Um, I for sure uh, was the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and as Ross said, I still can be, um, and I have a way out today that I never knew was possible, and that... No outside help. No, nothing helped until I really learned what my true problem was, and um, I'm so appreciative of that. And <clears throat> when when uh, Kelly first read this, uh, even though I go through with others, I had this pit in my stomach, and uh, just remembering the insanity of what I did uh, with the food, um, with the buildup of emotion. And I don't know if I was well-balanced. I I don't think so. If uh, I was a Dr. and Mr. Hyde, and I couldn't stop it myself. Um, And one piece that kind of still was that uh, little bit of a sucker is punch is that i did have a uh, special ability like all all of us do and um i had a promising um possibility uh for a career and um i didn't pursue that and at just a few weeks shy of of undertaking that and i'm in my early 60s now and uh it usually doesn't bother me and uh, this morning it did and uh it's here written in my big book, you know, was this me regarding this opportunity those decades ago. And uh, and the day came, and it came and it came while I've been on this line until it didn't, where I just couldn't make it, and I would get drunk over and over again. And uh, without the daily disciplines of prayer and meditation and all of what you offer and daily study, uh, I would be dead for sure um, spiritually again and still. And uh, I would most likely be dead physically. And I'm so glad to be uh, having this opportunity to grow at this juncture of my life, and I pray for this day to be a continued day of that. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Stacey T. Jennifer W, it's your turn, followed by Lisa J.
14: Hello, this is Jennifer Compulsive Overeater. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, thank you.
14: Thank you. Uh, Thanks for sharing, uh, everyone. It was really it's always great to hear uh, reflections from the big book. And um, I, uh, I think it's very sad, actually, that we are people um like they say here finest fellow in the world with abilities skills and aptitudes and gifts um but this disease has made us put so much energy on the disease and to to manage our lives in a way uh which we could never do uh like on our own and um uh, it gives me hope actually to like all the energy that I put in when I was trying to control and everything I was doing with the food, like all the diets, all my thinking, everything that I put into this disease, like how much energy is that for me to put on 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 other things, which is actually good for me and the world. Um, and, um, And it's sad that we, like the self-sufficiency, trying and trying and trying, but then always failing over and over. It gives us a really bad self-esteem and we feel like useless because we can't handle it. But it's actually something which is a disease, um, something which you can't manage on your own. You need to take your medicine. So I'm really happy to be part and i'm um, super grateful to that i actually can see that a little bit of my energy now as i'm recovered um uh, i can actually put for my surroundings and not to be so self-centered on myself and actually be um striving to be the best potential or the best version of myself, which I couldn't when I was really sick. So that I'm grateful for. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jennifer W. Lisa J., it's your turn,
15: followed by Bob. Good morning. So thankful for your th- for your service this morning. The shares have been excellent. Um, the word that stuck out to me, there were a couple of them. One was disposition. And although this doesn't really... Re- um, apply according to Webster it applies to me the way in which something is placed or arranged especially in relation to other things and I would keep trying to arrange things around to try to quiet my nerves as that appears later in the paragraph I had to quiet my nerves so I could go to work so I could get through a situation so I could start a project and then it also talks about this combination of um, tapering tapering off the morphine or some sedatives and then mixing them all together i was always trying to find a way to manage to get my nerves quieted so it was always the right combination or the right formula or the right food plan or You know, just throwing the food plan out the window and inevitably I was standing in front of the cabinet having an unhealthy relationship with food and trying to get the right combination to find satisfaction and happiness in this life. But it was always a substitute for God. It was always a substitute for a relationship to have the spirituality and the psychic change necessary to um, to overcome And so the only way I've found is to surrender to God and to have a new director and a new manager because I wasn't managing well. And I couldn't find the right combination to quiet my nerves. And so um, I would find myself on 52 all the time, couldn't control my emotional nature, a prey to misery and depression, having trouble with relationships. And so anytime I find myself there, I know that I need to surrender and give it over to a power that's greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. And what a beautiful solution, even though I'm not always willing to do that. So um, it's a process of doing that every day and getting the grace for that 24 hours to live recovered. So I'm very grateful for this program and everyone who shared today. Thank you,
0: Lisa J. Bob, it's your turn, followed by Chris M. And if you could give us the initial of your last name,
6: please.
16: Uh, Yeah, thanks. Uh, This is Bob. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, What comes uh, up for me this morning is the uh, awareness piece uh, in terms of when I was into disease, my awareness level of what I was doing to myself, doing to other people was very, very low. Um, and uh, I really didn't see uh, the extremes of how I was operating and when I was in my disease. Uh, I definitely was trying to fill a spiritual hole and an emotional hole uh, with food and retrospect, uh, but it took me many years uh, uh, out of the program, and then when I got into the program, it took me a long time to figure out uh, the things that were going on, and one of my roles was playing the victim uh, to my wife's bipolar disease for 30 years, then blame and, and my payoff was I didn't have to take responsibility for myself. I could always blame her disease on what was going on. And then I was blaming other people. I played the blame game, and uh, it was never my fault, and I couldn't look at seeing my side. I'm grateful that the program has helped me to take a look at my side of the street and what I did, and I've gone through a, a current situation where um, I'm getting help from people in OA. I can reach out to get help. Uh, from people in O.A. and how my higher power guides me to get to those people. It's kind of amazing. Uh, and I didn't have a relationship with a higher power. I was a, spirit, a religious person, but not a spiritual person. And when something difficult happened to me in my life, I said, why did God do this to me? And somebody told me to change one word. Why did God do this for me? And what I'm going through today is this is a, le- a lesson for me to learn And when I look at life in in that respect, it makes all the difference. And the lessons that I learn and have to remain teachable no matter how long I'm in this program. And sometimes it's not the big things that I've done. It's the little things, how easily I can hurt somebody else by just a a word. Um, So the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and me, uh, it, it is the big things, but it's also the little things and the omissions as another part for me. Uh, what I didn't do that I could have done to help somebody else. But today I know what God's mission is for me. is to take the love that he gives to me as a gift, pass it on to others. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Bob. And Chris M., it's your turn.
9: Good morning. Thank you. My name is Chris M. I'm a compulsive eater from the Hudson Valley in New York State. Um, thank you so much, um, everyone for your shares. I really relate so completely to the emotional and spiritual part of what everyone has said. For me, physically, my physical the manifestation of my disease physically is different and it is, you know, for all of us. And I've been in this program for gosh, since nineteen eighty six. So a long time. And um I've had, you know, recovery and relapse and all that along the way. And my big issue has always been relating physically um, to the habits, the eating habits, which mine have not been similar to most people that I hear. And that always made me confused, like, well, I don't really know how to relate to this program because, for me, my times of overweight were... When I was pregnant, and when I was on anti-anxiety medication, um, so in between that, you know, losing, trying to lose weight from those situations, I just, I did always have a self-loathing and kind of more of an anorexic, bulimic outlook and um, behavior. You know, I started starving myself when I was 13, and um, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. Today I do as well, Um, and I related to what someone had said earlier about trying to fix the wrong problem. And my, you know, in my time in OA, I've, I've, like I said, had some recovery and and done really well in all three areas. And lately, my spiritual recovery is just very poor. And you know, and I look back over my life, I also try to manage. Myself and make myself feel better, but not always with food. A lot of times with plans. Well, okay, I'm going to go back to school, and that's going to make me feel better. I'm going to start, you know, exercising, and that's going to make me feel better. And those are all good things. You know, I'm going to plan a trip. I'm going to, you know, and I aspired, I thought, well, I had to like make my life better and like perform better in my life, and then I would get my self esteem. And I've done a lot and I've achieved a lot, and I still feel really empty. So, aha, um, instead of feeling bad about that, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm concentrating on the wrong area. So I'm just grateful to be willing today to look at that, um, work through it. And I've listened to these meetings a bit, um, but now I would really like to work with someone as a, you know, a sponsee and really delve into the recovery that you guys um, just have so beautifully. So I will leave my number at the end of the um, meeting. Thank you so much, I pass.
0: Thank you, Chris M. Thank you to everyone who shared and thank you to Team Monday. Please join us for a second, unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for Sunday's special edition, April 21, was 12808. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Monday, April the 22nd, 7 a.m. meeting, is 12810. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lance L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
17: Good morning. My name is Lance L. I'm a Recover Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come.